Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. I have a great experience speaking with Kirill Noskov, CEO and co-founder of I Am Runbox, which is a company that designs for today's commuter, that is, the active commuter. If you are interested in your home-to-work transit and carrying your belongings in style and comfort, then Kirill has a great offering for you. He also has a Kickstarter campaign that is live with a timely and fashionable offering. Tony Hackett is my name, and I'm your host at the Startups Roundtable. So let's get started and meet Kirill. Hi, uh, so my name is Kirill and uh, I'm founder and CEO of I'm Runbox. I'm Runbox is a Swedish uh, lifestyle brand, uh, which I started back in 2015 with a vision to inspire an active lifestyle. Personally, I worked uh, most of my life within the corporate uh, uh, sector. At a certain stage, I got tired of eight to five mentality and I also wanted to connect both business experience with my uh, something what I personally like. And I was a lot into sports. I was uh, uh, doing marathons. I was doing triathlons. Uh, at, at a certain stage, I started running to work. Uh, and that's where I got an idea of creating the lifestyle brand, which can inspire people to get active uh, and also actually do something meaningful uh, and do it through the product designs and backpacks, which we uh, create. Kirill, thank you. I must say, in preparing to come and speak with you today and looking at what it is you're doing, I found it so exciting. And at the same time, I thought what you've taken on at a distance looks kind of simple, but the complexity. And I started to think through the complexity of the design and the the demanding users. I mean that in a good way and the need for fashion and the need to stay current. And I started to wonder about all the things that are a part of what you do. And then I started to think about how you go and make decisions, because there must be a stack of things you have to decide not to do. Could you maybe just share a little bit as to how you were able to focus so tightly to come up with this design and this concept for I am Runbox and to come to market now, and then how you start to think through future phases? I call it a little bit like controlled chaos. Because at the end, uh, uh, it's easy to say that you need to stay um, focused. And um, especially having a corporate background, uh, it's a lot about the focus and delivering and uh, having the right scope. With a startup, it's a little bit uh, different because at the end, uh, you always uh, you, you, you have a limited resources. You have certain budget constraints. Uh, you have a time constraints. Uh, and at the end, uh, what you want to make sure that over a certain time, you move in a certain directions. Uh, and then the, the amount of actions you take at the end kind of lead to that. Uh, but at the same time, it's uh, very difficult to say what is right and what is wrong thing to do. And at the same time, you also don't have time to go for a perfection, uh, meaning that uh, you make an assumption that if you do X amount of things and you do it 80% good enough, that would lead uh, to certain improvement. And that's what I used a lot for for decision-making process, uh, where I basically intuitively think that this is the right 
way uh, to do, but at the same time, we do a lot of uh, testing and try and error, but then we try to do it quite quick and with a very limited business impact. Uh, um, so then we get a certain amount of learnings which accumulate, which uh, makes it more efficiently and we can take better decisions within uh, a shorter time frame. I don't know if I, if I managed to answer your question. Oh, you did. It's interesting. There are uh, some other uh, wonderful guests I've had already on the, the podcast, and they've spoken about decision making and trying to find that blend between, I'll put in my words here, between data and intuition and having a feel for the market, having a feel for the customer. Given your running expertise, maybe your harshest critic with the design and the development, how did you actually go from that point of recognizing something that would be useful for you? to go beyond just maybe making something as a hobby to take that next big step to actually start your own venture. Yeah, we were quite lucky to have very close contact to the customers. When uh, when I first started and developed our first product, I just launched it for a fun sake, and it was um, a garment bag or basically the box for runners to put their clothes in so it doesn't get wrinkled. Uh, but that's actually one of the pieces what was missing if you want to start running to work. Uh, so we launched first thousand products and then we sold it over the year with no marketing. And then we basically got all people coming back to us and saying, uh, wow, you, you changed my life. And it was really something what I always uh, wanted but couldn't find. And then when we started really changing it into a proper business, uh, we decided to continue on the same concept, but do it and more like uh, organized. Uh, and when we did our first backpack launch, uh, we used a Kickstarter, which is a little bit tricky because it might go completely wrong or it might go good. But what you for sure get is a market validation and a customer feedback without you spending a lot of money on a production. And that's also allows you not just to get a feedback, but also improve product and also create a community which continue giving you uh, feedback. And you basically start building product, not just from your ideas, uh, because you, I mean, anyone get biased at a certain stage, uh, but really start with a need and uh, with a customer. And uh, you put it quite early at your um, design process. If you were doing it again, would you take that same Kickstarter route? Would you recommend that to somebody who had a similar-ish product or offering to you? I would say um, yes and no. I would say yes, it makes sense. No, uh, it's also a lot depends how you communicate and do marketing because uh, Tether is a lot about marketing and communicating, right? And that's certain skills. And if, let's say, you might have a very good idea, but if you are not able to communicate in the right way, you're going to screw up, but it doesn't mean that the idea is uh, bad. So, so there might be other easier way to test your concept. As an example, if you have a good idea, you can just go and talk to people. If it's a product which you want to sell, just go to the shop uh, which is close to you and leave it there for, for, for some time and ask if they want to buy. So there are other ways to get the feedback. Um, in, in our case, uh, since we build um, a brand, uh, and uh, we also build it digitally, then uh, we uh, have to be able to communicate good uh, digitally and do marketing. So in this case, Kickstarter makes sense because if we can't do a good Kickstarter campaign, there are questions if we can do other things um, uh, good. 
Where do you go to, having got to that first phase of, if I could call where you're at now, a first phase, I'm sure there have been multiple phases, where do you look to for inspiration from both, a, I suppose, the uh, the practical elements, but also from the, the art and creativity elements of, of what you do? Frankly speaking, um, myself, I'm not a designer, uh, and I don't trust my own taste uh, because at the end it's about the customers and it's a lot about Scandinavian fashion and um, Swedish design. Uh, but I'm lucky enough to have, yeah, we probably work with the best backwards designers in Sweden. And uh, Lena, my co-founder, uh, uh, she worked with uh, Gant Acne, so it's like a top brand within Swedish fashion. Uh, and she has a lot of uh, experience when it comes to having a good aesthetics, good taste. Uh, um, and she's spending a lot of time, uh, her time of getting inspiration from uh, other brands, from uh, different uh, online material, uh, meeting people, and uh, make sure uh, it's not only that she knows uh, uh, what is trendy at the moment, but also we have an ability ourselves to create a trend. You've mentioned there about attracting great people to be a part of your team. What was that like day one and how has that changed for you? So if you're looking to grow the team right at the start and now there's a certain level of maturity and brand awareness. Good good question. Uh, like uh, for me, like I, I had to, I basically have quite strong background uh, working for a large company where you basically have access to any resources you want and you and you work mainly with uh, A-class players uh, uh, and then you switch into entrepreneurship and you basically start from scratch and you have nothing. So what I realized that at, at the beginning, you basically get what you can get when it comes to the resources. So I try to work more with the, with the students or graduates uh, where I have where I could utilize my uh, uh, experience and uh, do more uh, coaching. Uh, uh, but at the same time, the, the, the more we developed, uh, uh, then you clearly see the need also for, for, for changing the team. So the team basically matures uh, with the company because at the end, uh, like for me as a CEO, I can't spend all my time on the coaching people. I also need people who can coach me and who can fit certain gaps. Uh, and uh, now we are finally at the stage where we can actually hire people we want uh, to hire, which is, uh, but then at the same time, I don't think that's something what was possible at the beginning where we just um, started. It's interesting you talk about moving from a, a corporate environment into your own venture, your own startup. I've never been a founder. I've never had my own startup, but I experienced elements of what you're describing probably about 12 years ago. I was with a major global tech. I've been in tech my my last 30 odd years or whatever. And all of a sudden I joined the startup. Fantastic. It was early days of this particular offering based Boston-based company. I'm in Sydney and all of a sudden uh, I'm working around the APAC region. But the thing that I noticed is it is a different pace. <laughs> and, and even though it's a dozen years ago, there are two things. I, I still remember it as if it was this morning but it actually influenced me and I learned more from the three years that I was doing that than probably any other stage of my work and career. And the need to work at that pace, I've got to enjoy again recently. The company I work with now, global tech firm, has its own startup accelerator program and working with wonderful innovators. Every four months, another six come into the program, into the cohort. And that pace is something that hopefully I'll still carry through. But how did you find it? Was that your experience as well? 
all of a sudden corporate, not that you're sitting back on your on your hands, but there's a different pace and you need to just keep leaning a bit further forward now that you're in your own venture? It took me probably, uh, yeah, more than a year to adjust because it's, uh, it's a different way you look into finances, uh, into the cash flow, into basically the full decision-making process. Where then uh, probably both decisions are right, but with a startup, a lot of things, if you don't think not just one or two steps ahead, it might result in uh, in a bankruptcy or killing the company. And um, adjust towards this thinking uh, uh, where, again, like with the corporate, you have unlimited resources. And in the startup, you have to create resources yourself. So you have to work on both uh, creating a product, uh, marketing, building the team, uh, doing the fundraising, doing sales, uh, and you can't just not do something. And that, that's where you where we were. And, and you also don't have time not to take a decision because, like, again, if I take corporate, you probably won't maybe take a bit longer time, but to make sure you take the right decision within when you do internship, entrepreneurship or startup, uh, if you don't take this decision, you know, you might not exist already in a couple of months. So uh, the, the, that, that probably is the main difference. How do you react as a team functioning in the environment that we're all living in now versus how it was, say, six months ago for you? For us, again, we are quite lucky because from the very beginning, I, I was quite clear in terms of values and why we do it uh, uh, when it comes to the team. Uh, and I put like a four main roadblocks. One is a performance. Uh, uh, second is uh, integrity. Third is uh, freedom, flexibility, and then active. Uh, active, that's just that people leave the brand. Uh, and uh, freedom, it's, a lot, it's about an, uh, a lot of remote work and uh, not counting hours. And But that's in combination with integrity where you do what you say you do. It creates quite unique uh, culture in the company where we basically know that the job is done. People are performance driven uh, and people know how to plan their day in the way that they balance between uh, work life and making sure they also have their family and and, and friends. Uh, so in the current environment where we basically all work from home, uh, it wasn't, I would say, a big shift for us because we uh, always allowed people working from home. Uh, then we set up all business structure in the way that we use a lot of uh, digital innovation for communicating, organizing the work. Uh, and everyone is acting quite uh, independently to make sure that the overall job is done. At the same time, uh, the whole market has changed and customer demands has changed. Uh, so we were also quite quick in uh, in adjusting our business to also help uh, our customers uh, because back to active commuting these days uh, is probably the best alternative to the public transport. And uh, that's what we try to coach and explain uh, how to do our products to minimize uh, the health risk and also stay active in these days. Uh, we also fast-tracked the development of uh, Active Essentials Kit, uh, which we just launched actually yesterday on a Kickstarter, uh, uh, where we basically developed an armband for runners uh, 
a shopping bag, which can be used as a backpack, uh, and the protection mask. And that's, I think, something what's the right uh, way to do. And if you can do it, uh, it then the business will also be great if you do the right thing uh, as a company. I must say, as uh, my, my feedback, having looked at different elements of your communication has led up to meeting you today, the communication and the way you communicate your value is so on point. It's a, a message that could become muddied, but it isn't. And for somebody who's come to your brand and your content, I think uh, you and your team do a terrific job. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it could just come through really clearly. I'd be interested to get your thoughts. And I always like to think if we have some people listening that are maybe thinking of, they've got their own idea and they're ready to step out of the, the basement of the garage and to take that step, and they're looking for advice. Could you give some commentary as to how you would encourage people to think about looking for mentors and what to try and get from mentors and maybe what to offer mentors as well? With the mentors, I think the most uh, difficult is actually to differentiate between uh, a mentor and a um, consultant. Um, yeah, because there are a lot of people uh, on the market who basically look for companies to just sell their services and uh, and these people are normally pretty smart pretty experienced and they are very good when it comes to the sales pitch but ultimately what they want is uh, to get paid for their job which is not the same as having uh, a mentor who already accomplished something and want to give back uh, right for me like being an entrepreneur uh, and it is a tough uh, journey with a lot of uh, up and downs and uh, I had a lot of people on my way who who helped me and uh, who made me who I am uh, at the moment uh, so I feel a responsibility also to give back uh, so back to if any young entrepreneur or anyone who wants to start company ask me any question I would make sure even though I have pretty busy schedule but I will allocate my time and uh, answer and and help and yeah, so which is so. So basically, I would say with the mentors, it's important to find uh, the right one who has the right set skills, uh, uh, what you are looking for, and who has a certain experience uh, in in what you do, and would do it. I would say more uh, purely from from the heart, uh, just to help you out uh, and not go into consultants uh, part. Which is again, I don't say it's wrong. We like we use consultant but that's again then you go and look for a consultant uh, uh, in order to fill a certain uh, gap in your business that's a very good answer actually when you go through a, a design process uh, and you you've just launched a, a new offering on on kickstarter approximately how long ago did that start was it a a three-month effort was it a 12-month effort that got very busy three months ago I would say with the Kickstarter, specifically the one we launched now, uh, we did it with less than a month. And that's only because we as a company felt that we can do something to help out our customers. And also we saw it in, uh, in the current pandemic uh, situation. It's also our responsibility to do something uh, in what makes sense. Uh, yeah, so we fast-tracked the development of existing products, which we basically couldn't launch for, for, for a couple of years. And then we added uh, some new, and then we did the full marketing. Uh, I would say it quick and dirty because, again, we also don't want to compromise on the safety regulations. So it's not like that you can do filming. It's normal. So we used a lot uh, 
back to creative work, like working from multiple locations and uh, filming uh, when there's no one on the street and stuff like that. Otherwise, I would say uh, I would probably count around half a year to do it properly. But our internal goal is, I would say, normally we, we are able to launch the products within like um, three months uh, but but that's again uh, it all depends how you launch it where you launch it and we also do the lean manufacturing so we basically try to do get the product and do like a smaller scale production but then in the months do it again 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 uh, so we continuously um, improve our products what also reduces the, the the production cycle because we have a little bit of more room first for a mistake uh, and second uh, also that we can quickly capture customer feedback uh, and feed it back into a production and product development would you refer to that as experimentation or it's it's not really experimentation the approach that you're describing maybe not experimentation but it's back um, like you can do product basically 200 percent perfect straight away or you can do it 200 percent perfect over a year and we don't compromise on the quality. So we always know when we launch a product, it is a really good product. Uh, but there might be a certain small things from customer experience perspective, like as an example, that pocket could have been one centimeter bigger, or we could have added a little thing here or there. Uh, that's not that easy to uh, capture straight away. And so we are making sure we deliver a good product, but at the same time, leaving that a little bit of space that we can very quickly get a customer feedback. Partly experimentation, but I would call it more quick go to market and uh, having those uh, continuous uh, feedback loops uh, from the customer. Because when we develop product ourselves, of course, we develop, we first get uh, five, ten samples which we test ourselves we give to our brand ambassadors but still we're talking about five ten person and it's not the same if as an example we do a first production round let's say for 500 products and then we give it to customers who really want it and like it and then we collect feedback from them and immediately use it for uh, for um, improving uh, products i agree with your point that's not experimentation it's something that's more it's a bit more real actually is because you're getting the the touch from the people who are the consumers, not just opinion coming back. Has has your persona of the customer the, or your consumer that you started with has it changed markedly, or is that person the same but just your relationship is different with them? I, I think it's changed quite a lot because uh, we first started, uh, we created a company doing products for active commuters, and we created the best uh, backpack for running to work. Uh, in the world uh, um, at the same time uh, uh, we realized uh, that this is completely untouched market but it's a very small market which we build uh, and which we are passionate about and it's completely new category we call it urban running which uh, which we build uh, but then we started thinking more like if you look uh, how many people run to work versus how many people cycle or or walk there probably will be one runner versus hundred or a couple of hundred cyclists uh, and then uh, we also saw that people who run they also cycle they go to gym they travel and then we started basically with that we have managed to build such an experience uh, making a really good product for people running to work and we are so good with a uh, fashion and a clean minimalistic scandinavian design so let's use this experience to build other products uh, 
And then we uh, we basically now we have a range where we have um, active commuting as part of our DNA. And active commuting includes uh, running, cycling, walking, using um, e-scooters. Uh, then we went also into active everyday, where we have just a nice range of products which are good for both sport, travel, and business. And then we did active travel, where we back to then uh, started looking into our brand persona or target customer group. And if that person would be traveling, what would they want and how to build the right product for them? It's interesting. Your last point was uh, in a previous life, I was a school teacher and used to seeing kids with much too much on their back and the pack not made for it. When I first saw your runner's pack, I thought that the care and the uh, the support and the thought it was just a remarkable piece of design, and I'm sure there are many, many other other avenues that you have on the drawing board. Kirill, this has been just a sensational conversation. I, I felt so energized out of meeting you today. Thank you for sharing not just your story, but some of the, your learnings and your advice that, that you've garnered along the way. It's the sort of thing you can't get from a book, and it's wonderful that you would share it. It, it feels like there's plenty more in your story, and Given the opportunity, I'd love to have the chance to speak with you again in the future and to to follow the the course of your organization. No, definitely. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me. It was really a pleasure to talk to you and also um, sharing my experience. What a passion and commitment to understanding the customer. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kirill as much as I did. And feel free to get in touch. Maybe you would like to provide feedback or even suggest a future guest. But that's it for today. Thank you and bye for now.